My name is Tim Barkholtz. I work for ExxonMobil, and I'm working on technology for CO2 capture. At ExxonMobil, we're working on a range of solutions, including a new way to capture carbon at natural gas power plants. Learn more at energyfactor.com. Lift and peeve. Lift and peeve. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeve. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeve. It's a real It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it. Not in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of DailyThunder.com, also Almighty Baller Radio. With me today, Matt Craig. Matt, what's up? Hey, what's up, Andrew? Preseason is over, so that's nice. We get to play some real basketball here in the next week. Uh, let's go, Thunder. <laughs> it is so nice to be able to, because like, I'm just... It's nice to be able to turn off the, is this real? Are they really doing this? Is this guy really going to play? You know, what's really going to happen here? I'm just ready to be done with that and watch, like, what are these, what are the real rotations going to be for Billy D? Yep. What are they going to run? Who's really going to play with the second unit? Uh, things like that. So I'm, I'm ready to stop I- analyzing things that are possibly fake. I'm very much one of those people that doesn't look too much into the preseason. This this has been the most covered preseason, at least as as far as I can remember. Everyone is talking about this like it's, you know, February out here right. and and taking too much from this preseason. So I'm ready for real basketball to start, no question. Yeah, the excitement level is through the roof for this team, understandably, because it's just... I mean, you're bringing in these stars and you have like all these question marks on the bench and everybody wants to know about Josh Eustis and it's just so exciting. Um, let's, uh, let's just talk about the preseason game. Take everything with a grain of salt we're about to say. So if you're listening right now in your car or at work or running or whatever, take it with a grain of salt. Um, first, Russell Westbrook was incredible. Uh, from the uh, shove to Jokic to his three-point shooting to his attacking of the basket, uh, he was incredible. He was unstoppable in that first quarter. There's no question. And for those people that say that, you know, because a lot of people want to get rid of the preseason. And for those that say that these players really need it, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not so sure. Because Russell Westbrook, who has played sparingly all of the preseason, is just like turns it on. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's the MVP of the league again. Um, or at least looked like it last night. And to me, put to bed any questions of him needing to take a back seat. It seems like very clear that he can do whatever he wants still yeah. <laughs> on the Thunder this season. Uh, and he showed that and he made it, you know, he made it count to where it, you don't feel as bad about that because he was, he was awesome. Yeah, he was he was really good. He's abusing those guards and you know, really taking those Steven Adams screens well. I mean he was he was incredible. Uh his shove on Jokic at the beginning of the game I thought was just really interesting. And I think I don't know if this is true, but I just thought like maybe these stars have seen all the coverage that Nikola Jokic is getting and like people saying that he's a star now and he's a franchise player and he's all these things. And I bet that irks some of these guys that have like really worked hard for it. And Jokic had like, has had like half a season where he's been really great. 
And I just wonder if he's like, let's just punk this dude. Let's like welcome hey. him, like really welcome him to the NBA. And Russell Westbrook just hey, shoved in, to the chest. In the wise words of the prophet Kevin Hart, say it with your chest. That's right. <laughs> Russell Westbrook said it with his chest last night in, he, that, in that show. That was great. He did. I thought I thought that was great too. Uh, Jokic struggled against the Thunder, I think because they were so physical with him. And I think it it's going to take a little bit of time. And Rudy Gobert had kind of went through a stretch like this where he like kind of he had like his coming out party a little bit where he was really good. And then the rest of the league, like we know who this guy is and let's be incredibly physical with him and make him be great basically. And the thunder were doing that to Jokic last night. They were, I mean, Adams was just a handful for him and he really couldn't get going. He didn't shoot the ball. Well, against OKC last night, he wasn't able to do a lot of things that he's, he was five for 16 from the floor last night. He, he, mm-hmm. his stat line was fine, but he, he really struggled against the physicality of the Thunder. And I, I think because a lot of people are trying to project that he can be like the primary playmaker for that team since yeah. they have really struggled to find a real point guard. And I think last night kind of showed you uh, the limitations of that or at least them trying to figure out how best to do that because it's just really hard from the high post to run an offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and Paul Millsap both in there uh, inside the arc standing at you know at each elbow and then they would dump it in and try and initiate offense from there is just difficult and they might be able to figure it out over the course of the season but I think last night showed you how why point guards do what they do in the NBA and, and why that position is so important um, and Jokic I mean he is a phenomenal talent I'm not going to let one preseason game change my mind sure, um, sure. but, but there are limitations to being, you know, asking a big man to do that. I'd like to thank Anchor Down for sponsoring today's show. A lot of you guys came to Anchor Down last Thursday night, and we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for Anchor Down for hosting our season preview podcast. A lot of you guys had got to have the salad there. You got to have a great beer. Uh, you got to experience inside. Some of you sat outside uh, afterwards. It rained a little bit. I was a little miffed that it rained. Um, but overall, great experience at Anchor Down. Uh, if you haven't been, uh, it's starting to get a little bit cooler out here. Uh, some good patio weather uh, coming up here in the fall. Go experience how great Anchor Down is. All their food is incredibly fresh. Uh, they have house-made chips that come with their corn dogs. They got the really fresh chicken cob salad. Uh, it's just absolutely a great restaurant. And if you don't know, uh, this is a part of a restaurant group that owns a restaurant called The Mule uh, in Oklahoma City. And they're opening a new restaurant called The Press. So keep your eye out for The Press. Look for them uh, on Twitter. They're also on Instagram, The Press, OKC. Uh, you can also follow Anchor Down on Instagram if you want to see all of their good foods. Uh, on Instagram, Anchor Down OKC, and then the Mule OKC. So look for them on social media. They're great follows. All three are just fantastic restaurants. So if you haven't been to the Mule, to Anchor Down, uh, you should go check them out and then be on the lookout for the press because it's going to be a delicious restaurant as are the Mule and Anchor Down. So check out Anchor Down. Go grab a beer after work with some buds downtown. They're in Deep Deuce off 2nd Street in the big red shipping containers. You cannot miss them. So go check out Anchor Down with a buddy after work or this weekend with some friends and make sure that you grab a great salad, corn dog, and a beer.
Yeah, without a doubt. And this, I mean, this Nuggets team was one of the best offenses last season. And the Thunder show that you can slow them down. If you could be super physical with them, uh, with Jokic in particular, uh, you can stop them. And this Thunder defense is going to be so good, Matt. Like, they really showed in spots last night what they're capable of doing, where they can shut you down on one end and then in transition or even in the half court, there's just not a lot that you can do when you have Russ, Paul George, and Melo out there together. I mean, it was really, it was really fun to see because you got a, you got a glimpse of what this team could be this season. I would say, yeah, I would say that was my biggest takeaway from the preseason as a whole is like, if this team really dedicates itself on the defensive end, they can be an elite defensive team. Mm -hmm. And, with the offense, you know, even if even if the team isn't playing well offensively, just the floor spacing alone and the fact that you have bucket getters um, that we didn't have last year on the floor at all times, I mean, I feel like that on a night to night basis just raises your your floor. You know, the ceiling is obviously higher, but your floor night to night is just astronomically higher because they're going to be good deep defensively and then offensively have those few guys who are going to put up numbers for you. I mean, I think that is the main takeaway from the preseason just because whether they're bringing it or not, you can see stuff like that uh, from the preseason games. And last night was probably the best example. Yeah. Yeah. And Steven Adams, like if there's anybody so far that I think is like the most improved player that's going to play a big role on this team. It's Steven Adams. He looks so good on defense last night. He was protecting the rim. Uh, he ended up with five blocks last night uh, in 24 minutes. Uh, he looked really comfortable on the offensive end. He had mm-hmm. space. He didn't have anybody crowding him. There was nobody in his in his zone at all. He was great on both ends of the court. He caught an oop last night. He had a couple. He took a mid range jump shot, which was so yeah. weird. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't expect that to happen. I don't expect it really to happen much this season at all. Um, but it was kind of it, it was just interesting to see him take that. But he was so good last night and i think if if anything i think there's there's obviously tons of josh houston's hype right now but i think like the true hype to me throughout this preseason is that there were times that steven adams was the best player on the court um on both ends and i think that thunder Mm -hmm. fans should be actually excited about that he's he's definitely making everyone believe the what everyone was saying about him being injured last season Mm -hmm. uh he's making people believe that because he looks really really good i will say this like he has looked like the best player on the floor sometimes but in his role he's the type of guy that is never going to try and do too much um and he will be given a chance with the floors more space that on those pick and rolls he should have way more room to operate and you know maybe shoot more mid-range jump shots the shot didn't look bad i honestly i kind of i wish he had shot it without hesitation because it actually looked like a pretty soft shot and it and it could have dropped you know hit rim backboard rim and you know could have gone um so i think he'll be able to operate much more effectively but at the same time his usage just isn't going to be there if if those people if there's people out there trying to uh, project him for you know 12 14 15 points a game it's probably not going to happen um but he could be the type of guy that is one more threat on that rim running you know role for the team uh that makes the offense click and, and makes it harder for people um to sag off of 
or he, they're going to have to sag off to stop him, and then that allows for more shooting. So he, I think he'll be a vital part of the offense, but he'll I think he'll still be that guy that's not getting a lot of glory, um, even if he is playing really well, which he's looked he has looked great. And you're right, he has looked awesome in the preseason. Yeah, I, I, you're right about the scoring because there will, and he'll have nights where he scores 20 against a bad defensive mm-hmm. center, and everybody else is just being guarded. And he's left open. He's going to score 20. The next night, he may have five. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. going to be the nature of Stephen and Adams, and he's going to pick his good, spots. Right. The good part is, is he doesn't seem like that guy that is, you know, really worried about it. Right. Really worried about anything, for that matter. But really worried about uh, making sure he gets his points and he gets his shots. So I think he's content. At least he seems content uh, with having some big games when it's there and not having anything. Some games, if that's what it is. Um, but he looks like a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the term you used last week was a guy. He's more than a guy. Yeah, he is much he more is, than a guy. <laughs> he's he is a weapon yeah. offensively and defensively. So I, that's really encouraging. Yeah, and to me, his mentality last year, I think, was a detriment to the team, and that he just could care less about scoring. He could care less about his rebound numbers. He could care less about his block numbers. He just could care less about that stuff. And I think last season that hurt because the Thunder needed somebody at times that would mm-hmm. take the ball and score. And Adams really has the ability to do that. But now he's back on a team like he was two years ago that it makes so much sense to have a guy like this that is basically going to sacrifice everything so that everybody else can be successful. And he's back on that, and I think that he's going to be so good in that role. Um, Alex Sabrina's sure. played last night. And he didn't play all that much. He played, how much did he play last night? He played 15 minutes last night, which is fine. Uh, he looks bigger. And I know, we know that he is bigger, but sometimes muscle watch can be deceiving. Like he actually We know that he bigger. is because Michael Cage mentioned it uh, five, six, seven, eight times. How much bigger Alex Brinis looked. Thankfully, he didn't go all Tommy Heinsohn uh, and mention what he looked like in the, in the shower, shower or whatever like he was doing with the right. Celtics. But... He did. He did make us. He knew that we were gonna uh, understand that Abrinas was bigger because he mentioned it so many times. <laughs> Actually, watched the Thunder games without the sound, so I didn't. I didn't oh, catch that. Okay. Um, but he's. Uh, that's really hilarious. He does look. He looks bigger. He doesn't look like all of Spain. Um, but he. <laughs> he looks. He looks good. Uh, he hit that three that it just looks beautiful. Like you just knew the moment that it left his hands that that thing is going in. Uh, he ran the break. Mello hit him with a nice bounce pass on the break. Uh, he looks great. He played a little bit with the starters in place of Robertson. I think we'll see that a lot this season. I, I just don't know how people are going to stop that. And when you play teams like the Nuggets uh, that don't have like a superstar wing, I think they should play it a lot. I think they should play it. I think they should sit Robertson for a lot of those games because he's just not as effective if there's not a really great wing out there. Uh, people are quick to throw Robertson just completely out of the rotation. Like when Josh used to sit mm-hmm. three, they're like, ah, oh, let's just sit Robertson forever now because we got right. a guy that can hit threes. It's like, okay, like right. slow your roll there because Robertson right. is so good. I, I think people, I'm going to transition this to a Robertson conversation. People, okay. People just don't understand like the gap there is between Robertson and like an average wing on defense and the kind of impact that he's going to have this season. 
Robertson is not going to sit. Josh Hustis is not starting for Andre Robertson. That is not <laughs> going to happen. Uh, he, right. Josh Hustis is not taking Robertson's minutes. Those things are not happening, people. I know that people are really excited for Josh, and I'm one of them. I mean, if you saw my my Twitter last night, I'm blowing up about Josh Hustis because I think he's so fun. But I'm blowing up about him being like the 10th or 11th man. I'm not blowing yep. up about him being a starter or taking minutes from Robertson. I, I think those notions are absurd because... Robertson has a ton of NBA experience. He knows how to guard elite wings, and the Thunder need that. Um, what are your thoughts on like Robertson's play last yep. night and his role going forward? I just I think that a lot of times NBA fans will simplify down the skills that people need. They look at can you hit a three? Then you're you know an effective offensive player. If you're athletic, then you're a good driving to the rim. And if you're a good defender, then you can help on that side of the floor. And Josh Eustace is somebody that when you look at him, you're like, he can hit a three, he's athletic, and he plays defense. But if you watch a lot of Josh Eustace, you know things like he's not a great decision maker. When the play breaks down, he's not great at improving on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. If, if that number one thing is there, if he can do what he sets out to do, then he's really good. But there was turnovers last night that show this again and again, where sometimes he tries to do too much or make something happen or even try to execute um, more than one move offensively. He's not a great ball handler. And just all of those things, he doesn't look confident. Even last night, like his decision-making, when he was hot shooting from three, um, the decision-making wasn't there on the perimeter to just pull again. He was hesitant. He was looking around. And those are all things that kill you offensively in the NBA. So, yeah, for those people trying to put Houston above Robertson, don't do it. (laughs) Because Robertson is a great player in everything except for the shooting. And now that is important. Shooting might be the most important single skill in the modern NBA. But Robertson is great cutting to the rim. He's great with the ball. You know, he makes good decisions most of the time. He's not, you know, he's not perfect, but uh, he is an effective player on the offensive end minus the shooting. So, yeah, Robertson deserves to start, and you need guys like him so that Paul George doesn't have to guard the best player on the other team every night. You know, hmm. you need guys like him to take that defensive load away from Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and guys like that. So, yeah. Robertson has a very important role. But I was actually surprised last night. They played an extended stretch in the third quarter uh, with Abrinas in that starting lineup with Carmelo, with Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Steven Adams. And that is pretty much an unguardable lineup. That is almost as unguardable as the old lineup that had Ibaka and Kevin Durant, you know, and that that played the small ball with the shooting. Um, Just because there was so much floor spacing that any of those guys could operate on their own with no, you know, no fear of there ever being help almost. Um, And that defensive lineup during that stretch, they really buckled down on the defensive side. And that is really when the Thunder stretched out the lead in the game last night. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I would still say Robertson's got to start. Abrinas has got to be one of those first guys off the bench. And I still want Houston to work in. That's the thing. I, I love yeah. Josh Houston as a player. But use him in what he can do and don't try and make him into somebody that he's not. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he should be the 10th man. I think Ferguson will 
take some of those 10th man spots, but I think that Houston deserves them too. And give him a shot. Give him all the singular minutes. All those singular minutes, give, give it to Houston. I'm yeah. with that. Let him, right. Even let him play backup center. I mean, he played backup center last night. And against a lot of guys, Houston can do that. And if you can stretch your backup center out to three, like that's there you have a, a, a simplified offensive weapon. Like he, he's not going to like yep. do a whole lot, but if he can at least stretch the floor on that end, that's fine. But Robertson last night, I found it pretty interesting. He did sit on the perimeter a little bit, but not as much as he did in the last game. Uh, He initiated the offense a lot, which is great. I think that that's a really good role for him on this team because if you have everybody else running around, he can deliver a pass right on target. He's never Mm -hmm. had a problem with that. Uh, And he also hung around the baseline quite a bit too, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense. You can bring Adams up you know, to the free throw line and have him, I mean, Adams can make great passes from there. And then if you have Mm -hmm. Robertson hanging down there, it doesn't kill your spacing anymore because you have to guard, you have to guard everybody around the rim. Um, Even Andre Robertson, who's been great around the rim traditionally in his career. So I think that those things make a ton of sense for him. As long as he's just not standing there on offense uh, for the most part, I think that you're right. He's like, he can be an effective offensive player uh, for the Thunder. And then on the defensive end, he, he, he will be what makes this team go from like a the tenth best defense to I think this team could be top five, even top three at their ceiling, and you don't get there without him. And 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 you made a great point, which is Josh Eustace's feel or just the way he looks on the court is much more comfortable when he's playing up positions. I mean, he Mm -hmm. he played mostly center minutes in college at Stanford or power forward. It's primarily those two positions. He, you know, small forward was something that he had to do in the NBA because he was six, seven, but he's much more comfortable guarding bigs and much more comfortable stretching the floor as a big man, you know, with big men guarding him. So that is absolutely right. Whereas Andre Robertson, you know, he probably should be playing up positions, but the way the lineup works out, and he is comfortable um, playing that two position. So they're not even really the same position. Yeah. I, they have the same body. Uh, Houston is a little bit bigger and stronger and should play different position, in my opinion. Especially, you know, Dakari Johnson hasn't really been getting that many minutes no. uh, in this preseason, which I felt like he was going to with the departure of Ennis Canner. Um, so maybe Houston should take some of those big man minutes in the second unit uh, that they're obviously not wanting to give to Dakari Johnson. And he might, you know, he might be as effective as Jeremy Grant, or maybe you can play him alongside Jeremy Grant. So, I, I, that was a, that was a good point that needs to be uh, emphasized, which is Houston should play up positions and Robertson should play down positions, so they're not even really stepping on each other's toes. Yeah, if if Houston is a replacement for anybody that's on this current roster, it's Jeremy Grant. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. understand the Robertson yep. replacement. He's a better shooter than Jeremy Grant is. And he does similar things to Grant. And if Grant has a regression this year, then I think that that's where you slide Josh Eustis in. I don't think that you're sliding him in for Robertson. I think that that notion is just absolutely crazy. Uh, And also, the Thunder are going to have to think about paying Jeremy Grant next summer. And if Josh Eustis can come in and play your 10th or 11th man minutes and he's effective... Then that let, letting Jeremy Grant go and letting Josh slide in, I don't think that you're going to see that much of a difference between those two, um, because I think that they both play a very similar role. Neither of them have a great feel for the game. They're both crazy athletes. They're help side defenders, and they're supposed to stretch the floor. Like they're basically the same guy. And I think that's your replacement guy. It's not Robertson. It's Jeremy Grant. 
and uh, the difference between them would be Jeremy Grant just has this reckless aggression, uh, whereas Josh Schuster is somebody that can be passive at times and can be a little tentative at times. So maybe that's where Jeremy Grant is more valuable. I definitely think on the open market, Josh Eustace is not commanding a lot of money, whereas yeah. Jeremy Grant might get a little bit of money. So um, if Eustace can be more effective for this team, then that is just an asset that the Thunder will want to capitalize on. And even Patrick Patterson, who hasn't played in the preseason, when he comes back, those power forward minutes – they might be, you know, hard to find. And the Thunder might find themselves having to choose between Houston and Jeremy Grant. And I think I agree with you entirely that if they can get Josh Houston to fill those minutes, especially if Carmelo or Paul George is playing the second unit, which they should, maybe you don't want someone like Jeremy Grant who's trying to tear down the rim. He did it again last night. Every time he just jumps up there and tries to bang it, even if there's no chance in the world. So maybe you would rather have someone like Houston spreading the floor and not trying to do too much. Yeah, yeah, he's he's committed to that drive game. I don't get it, but he he is committed to going to the rim. Oh, I feel like he goes to the rim with no plan. He feels like when I go to the rim playing pickup ball, like I have no plan. I'm just going to the rim, and that's same with Jeremy Grant. Well, the difference between you and him is his like four foot long bionic arms and <laughs> vertical leap, and so he actually might be able to dunk on somebody. I don't, I don't know. I think I think the fans would like to see you try to dunk on somebody, but it may not turn out quite. There's been some spectacular disasters for Jeremy Grant, and at least they look cool. I'm not sure yours would look cool. I don't know, but I'm not hey, sure. Man, I, I don't know, man. you, you got to see me on the trampoline court out there. I'm pretty good. Um, all right. Let's go to some Twitter questions. This is from at Ben Varhees. He says, uh, Steve-O's Jay looked good today. Also like him passing and making plays out of the high post. Do you think he plays this freely in the regular season? I hope so. No, I, I actually really do. I actually really do think he will because the pressure is really off him. Mm-hmm. Um, some of what you talked about last year of needing him to step up, that type of pressure, I feel like, wasn't really the best situation for him. He, in a lot of ways, he's almost like Dwight Howard, and I know that that's terrible that I would say that. Uh, <laughs> the Dwight Bola virus, you know, as he's been nicknamed. <laughs> Obviously, Stephen Adams doesn't have the same problems in the locker room, but he's the type of guy that he wants to do his thing and he knows what he can do and he wants to have fun with it, you know, and when there's expectations are on him, I felt like that kind of weighed on him and may have hurt his performance a little bit. I do think that he's going to be able to play free because no one in the media, no one on the team, nobody is expecting him to carry any load, especially in the offensive end. Um, And so he can kind of do his thing. And when he does, he'll surprise you with those little flip shots. Maybe he'll pull up from the free throw line and hit some jumpers. I actually do expect uh, his play to continue to be this good. And that is awesome for the team. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think that because we've seen this before from him. And that's the reason why I think that it'll continue because we've seen it from him on the big stage in the playoffs. Uh, and I yeah. think he's even better than he was uh, during that playoff stretch. And I don't see any reason for it not to continue because the spacing was always the issue for him last year. And I do think injuries were um, a cause of his play as well. So I think that I think we're going to see more of the same from what and, and he's also one of those steady guys. Like he's and he's anytime that you ask him, like, what do you plan to do this season? Like on media day, like, what have you changed? And his answers has been the same the last three years. It's, Oh, it's all the same stuff, mate. It's all the same stuff. It's always the same stuff. And he, 
you know, I don't think that he, his mentality has really changed at all. And I, I think that he's getting better. Uh, this is from at OKC Obstinacy. What offensive changes or schemes can we implement to not make Russ, quote unquote, easy to guard? And this was in a low post podcast. If you guys, mm-hmm. most of you probably listen to the low post. Um, Zach Lowe said that people inside the Warriors organization are saying that Russ is easy to guard. Um, so Matt, what can they implement to make Russ not easy to guard? Yeah, I'd say uh, one thing you could do is maybe go out and get two elite scores to put around him. Uh, that's just uh, I'm just spitballing here, but that yeah. could help a little bit, right? Uh, no, it, no, it really seemed like to me, and this isn't really you know breaking news, but the Warriors last year were going to let Russ try and do too much mm-hmm. and bottle up everybody else and force him into tough shots because they have some really talented defenders. If they do that this year, it's going to be more difficult because the floor will be spread and the defensive attention will be split between three players on the floor i mean really schematically they don't need to do much of anything Mm -hmm. you know because all the same sets that didn't work last year with the clogged toilet are going to work this year and not you know 100 percent of the time obviously but just the fact the way that they built the team this year is really enough um other than that i would like to see Billy Donovan maybe study some of what the Warriors have done with having three stars and and how teams react to that amount of pressure on the floor um, and the way that they move the ball obviously is something that the Thunder will never have uh, and, and few teams in the NBA ever have had that but it would be cool it would be really cool to see some of that ball rotation um, and you know the the flowing offense that they have be implemented, but I don't see that happening, and I don't really see that being a necessity. Uh, I just think the way the team is this year, it's going to be like that automatically. Yeah, and to me, the Thunder are trying. Like they're trying to do some of those things, and it's not going to be to the level of the Warriors, just because I don't think they all have that same like passing or unselfish instinct that those guys do. But they're trying. And to me, that mm-hmm. that matters. And like Paul George is like really trying to find the right spots on the floor. And sometimes it hasn't worked in the preseason. But honestly, it's not supposed to work in the preseason. Like this wasn't supposed to be like a really easy transition for everybody. And to me, I like that they are trying really hard to make sure everybody's sharing the ball and that they're moving it a little bit rather than just like taking turns in the preseason like that to me that would be the biggest red flag for the slender team is if all we saw was your turn my turn uh with this thunder team and it just hasn't been that way like they're they're running sets they're trying to get people in into the offense they're having that forward at the top of the key kind of get the the team into their sets and they're running things and i think that that's really important for this team even if it may look bad for even the first month of the season the fact that they're trying to get into an offense where the ball does move and you have player movement, you have you know off-ball screening. I've seen way more of that than I've seen in a long time from the Thunder. Mm-hmm. And maybe it does go away in the regular season and they do more your turn, my turn. But I think that watching them really try to implement those things I think is, is really good for this team. Yeah, let's talk briefly about which one of these guys you think plays best um, with Russ, you know, and with the first lineup versus the second lineup, because this is going to be a big thing for Billy Donovan this year is you have to stagger the stars Mm -hmm. because if you have Russ, Paul George and Carmelo all off the floor, 
your offense is going to really not going to be able to do anything. That's going to look a lot like last year where it was just a nose dive off a cliff uh, when Russ was off the floor. So you have to stagger the stars. Someone's got to play with the second unit. It's not going to be Russ. Um, so that makes it obviously Carmelo or Paul George. Mm-hmm. I think coming in, most Thunder fans were thinking Carmelo Anthony because he's just a bucket getter and he's known as being a ball hog. I really threw four preseason games to think he has played better with the first lineup uh, and Paul George with the second. But both of those players benefit from being that second or third guy on the floor. They, they both benefit from having Russell Westbrook next to them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Which one do you think uh, would be better with the second unit? I, I'm split, but I'm leaning toward Paul George. I, I'm on all aboard the Paul George train just because I think that he can make plays uh, out of like a pick and roll. Uh, I also think like we didn't get to see him with Ray Felton last night, but I think that if he can have like a playmaker like Felton out there, I think that that would really help. And I also think having Patterson out there uh, whenever he comes back is going to help as well. Because last night there were times where everything just died. And it's because you basically had like two D-League players and Jeremy Grant who can't create uh, mm-hmm. out there. And it's just, I mean, that's, that's not going to work. Uh, but when you throw in Patrick Patterson, who's one of the better subs in the league, uh, and you plug in an actual backup point guard, I think then you're going to actually see things that are going to be more effective. So I, th- I think it's Paul George, and I also think that you can keep up the defensive intensity uh, with Paul George out there, whereas you're going to see more of like a Ennis Cantor-esque second unit with Carmelo out there where everything kind of stops, and mm-hmm. Melo goes to work. Um, and I just don't think that that's really healthy or good for the second unit, especially... Those guys that are going to need some some ball movement, some guys that are going to need that to get involved. I think Paul George is the man for that, and I think that he helps the defense. And you're right with Melo, like Melo and Russ, like that's been the easiest transition for really any of these new guys has been Melo because Melo just does his thing. I think Melo is mm-hmm. loving playing with these two guys because in New York, I don't know if people realize how difficult at this level it is to be a guy night in, night out that's being double, triple teamed every night because everybody else on your team really isn't that good except for Porzingis, and you're just you're just getting it every night. Uh, now, like, he's just free. Like, he is kind of the trailer on a, on a fast break where he's getting those uh, fast break threes. He's able to create without having two defenders on him. Uh, I think you're right that Melo and Russ together is a great... Uh, but Billy's even done had Russ be with the second unit guys a little bit where he pulls Russ early and then keeps Paul George and Mello out there together and then pulls both of them and then puts Russ back in. So he can mix and match, but I'm with you. Paul George is the guy. Yeah. He'll, I, I think it'll be something that he experiments with all season I, I, and figures out hopefully uh, come playoff time. I, I think if it's Russ and, or Mello, you're right in that it's going to be just everyone sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul George does have a little bit of that. I, I don't know if passive is the right word, but a little bit of that deferring instinct yeah. at times where that ball is going to move a little bit more. Uh, and then when he catches it in some open space, he'll attack then. So I, I, I agree. I agree with you. But I think it's something that could change throughout the season. Yeah, yeah. And you saw Paul George last night. Like, he was really encouraging those younger guys, like, hey, like, let's stick with this. Let's continue to play defense. And, you know, these shots are going to fall. They got Ferguson a corner three. Houston hit a shot. Paul George hit a couple threes, and it was over. But there was a one point yeah. game uh, with that 
lineup, and I was like, uh oh, like this probably is going to go very good. Uh, but Paul George, I, I think that he can be a kind of a, a different kind of leader than Russ is, in that I think he's going to spur his teammates on, but he's not going to demand the ball in a way that Russ does. Yeah. Um, this is from at Elgin Thunder. Is Houston's two way ceiling possibly higher than Dre's? Yeah, no. Um, I really like Josh Eustace, and I really like what he can do. But like I said, just that feel for the game, the decision-making, excuse me, um, and all of those things that, like, make you a basketball player that aren't shooting, athleticism, and a little bit of defense um, (laughs) will always – lean toward Andre Robertson and those outweigh any shooting concerns. I, I firmly believe that. And I think the money is going to bear that out. I don't think Josh Eustace will be as valuable um, as Andre Robertson, both in minutes and in dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that Houston's offense and defense are more equal than Robertson's offense and yeah. defense. Um, I think like that's the only, like maybe he has more it, balance like in right. his game. I, I, I think it's simple to say Robertson's a plus on defense and Houston is a plus on defense. So those yeah. two pluses are equal. No, <laughs> right. Robertson is so much better on defense and not to say Houston isn't a good shot blocker, isn't a good on ball defender, but Robertson is awesome. He's awesome at those two things. Yep. I mean, you can't just equal those off by saying that they're both uh, net positives. Right. Yeah. Robertson's like a 10 on defense and like a four on offense. And then Houston's is like a four on both, basically. Like he's not, <laughs> he's not great at either, at either one. Uh, but he just so happens to have that one skill, like you said earlier, the three point shooting that is so valuable that I think that, that alone to me should get him on the court. Like his three point shooting yep. alone should get him on the court. Uh, and then you also have his help side defense. I think he's a great, he's a great 10th man. And I don't think that we need to, elevate him any higher than that uh but to start with a guy who hasn't really barely played in the nba at all to be elevated to the 10th man great but let's not let's just not get carried away because i i think people are kind of going nuts over houston which it's fun it's fun for the preseason but if he's playing if he ends up averaging like 10 minutes a night i think that's a win for the thunder he's not gonna i don't expect him to do anything more than that yeah, give him all the singular minutes, and I hate to pour cold water on the Terrence Ferguson parade, but um, I say give him the, the Ferguson minutes as well. I don't think Ferguson, even though he looks like he will be something in the future, I, I still think he has a lot of development to do, especially just physically. Yeah. Um, so if you give him those rookie minutes and you give him the singular minutes, like he'll have some time on the court um, this season, and you don't really need much more than that from him. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, last one from at Pax Cash. Best guess, Giannis, LeBron, or somebody else for MVP? Who you got? Kawhi Leonard. Mm, but I also one. said Kawhi last season. So And, <laughs> and I, I felt like he gave a pretty good effort. But I, so I am a little biased. I love Kawhi. Um, I think he's incredible. But I will say this. The MVP is all about narratives. And if the Spurs are still able to win high 50s, maybe hit the 60 game mark. I mean, that is a strong narrative because it's going to it's going to mean that Kawhi Leonard led that team, you know, without a ton of help. 
Um, what, it depends on what we get from Manu and Tony Parker and then the young guys, which they do have talented young players. Uh, and I'm a big Spurs fan. We had that discussion, I think, like two weeks ago. But uh, if Kawhi is awesome again and the Spurs are awesome again, then the narrative, I think, will, will match up for him. I think Giannis, the Bucks aren't going to be that good. Yeah. Uh, and LeBron, I don't think he cares enough about the regular season. So I think Kawhi Leonard should be the MVP again. And, and the and the narrative will never match up for Russell Westbrook again. I'm sorry. So yeah. um, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be Kawhi this year. I think it's the year of the claw, but I'm also just a huge claw fan. So what can I say? Yeah. I, and I think that people will look to guys that are quote unquote doing it on their own, even though like the Spurs, like don't ever do anything on their own. Like there's no one player that ever really carries yeah. the Spurs. I think that people will look to him like that. And people like that narrative. People like to look at these guys that have you know taken this team that really shouldn't be where they are and pulled them to where they're at, like with Russ last year. And so I think you're right. I think that Kawhi is a, is a really good pick. And who doesn't like Kawhi Leonard? I think that's also a part of it. Like, yeah. I think Kevin Durant, like he's made himself so unlikable. And I think everybody everybody's going to be kind of sick of the Warriors because they've made the finals so many times in a row. And, you know, that's that storyline is a little bit played out. I think that he'll lose votes from there. Uh, but everybody loves Kawhi Leonard. Like, who doesn't love right. a guy who's driving like a '98 Tahoe to an NBA game? Like, he's he's just he's just the man. Uh, still using coupons at Wingstop. He's he's amazing. Like, he's just great, and he's yeah. And he doesn't try to take the spotlight. And I think guys like Zach Lowe really are going to lead the charge on stuff like that with him. And all the I, analytics, I think, all the analytics guys. Yeah, I think he's deserving. I think he, mm-hmm. he'll be deserving this year of an honor like that. And I couldn't look forward to anything less than a Kawhi Leonard MVP speech. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's going to be amazing. Is it? Is it be like, Thank you. Uh, 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 played hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, like he's just, oh, it's going to be great. Or he's just going to shock us all. And like, he was quiet the whole time, but he's really just this like suave, charismatic guy. You know, <laughs> he flashes that giant smile. I hope so. And I don't know. I'm going to be, I'm going to be dazzled by him <laughs> either way. Oh, that's great. Uh, Matt, we can follow you on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig. Follow him, please. If you like college basketball, he's your man. If you like Thunder basketball, he's your man. So, Pretty much, Mr. McCrag is your man. So follow him on Twitter. Read his stuff. Uh, Fieldhouse, which is through The Athletic. Uh, and then on Daily Thunder, get ready for his weekly columns. Is that... Did I cover it? Is that right? I'm going to get this. That's Sunday. it. Okay. Good. Yep. I, I don't know if it'll be... There'll be Saturday morning columns on Daily Thunder. Cool. Um, I think I'm going to wait till after the first game. Uh, New York Knicks, which is Thursday, next Thursday. So probably next Saturday will be the first one, but then you can read them on dailythunder.com. Perfect. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. We appreciate you guys listening. We will talk to you guys again on Friday. 